0: Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Good morning, everyone. Sorry, Pastor was late to church. Welcome to Revolution Gathering, <laughs> Revolution The Gathering. It's another day in paradise. It's a nice gloomy, rainy day here in Seattle. Feeling like I might write a grunge song. Man, a lot going on everybody, a lot going on. Um, also, hey, wanna thank some of you folks who shared the uh, little message I put out on different social media, just saying, hey, if you could share this, you know, just letting people know what we're doing and where we're at, especially right now with all this Tammy Faye mania going on, it's wild um, to see this stuff again, you know. Um, It's also wild to me that the press is still really, really bad at fact-checking, like they don't know why my dad went to prison, Um, they don't know half of the things that went on, but... So it's funny because like it seems like they're just referring to, like, hey, I found a People magazine from 1987. We'll just use that. <laughs> so their fact-checking could be a little bit better. Or a Wikipedia page. Um, which Wikipedia is usually people basing stuff off of other press articles. You know what I'm saying? So anyway. Neither here nor there. That's just my soapbox of fact-checking. But it did make me think about, like, how often we're played against each other in the media, um, right and left and, and all the different groups, gay and straight and black and white, and how often, like, misinformation from people we're supposed to trust. I mean, of course, we know, like, Fox and CNN and those guys can be a bit lean one way or the other. But, you know, it's still, like, it just... Media in general just is sad. It seems like they should have to, like, have a, like, a, something they sign, you know, like an oath that they sign to be honest or true to the best of their knowledge and not be lazy, you know. Um, journalism, I guess, is just like everything else. It's a dying art. But, um, so, yeah, so, that yeah, I, I hate to see it because I feel like they do pin us against each other often with half-truths or non-truths or uh, saying what we want to hear and um, feeding into a frenzy and, uh, hey, Jason, what's up, man? Um, you know, that kind of thing. So for me, it's like, what are you going to do? Hey, Kate, I saw there was a new uh, John Lydon article in, in I think, your, your paper, <laughs> if you see it, could you take photos for me? <laughs> Thank you. Um, John Lydon, singer of the Sex Pistols, uh, and PIL, is doing, um, doing a bunch of live Q&A talks in, uh, in the UK. and uh, I really wish I was there. Anyhow, so yeah, the press is, is, uh, is a mess, along with everything else that's going on with this world. Um, and I'm reminded of that. So for me, it's like one thing that they get my dad's charges wrong or they, they accuse him of certain things that he didn't do. I mean, it's frustrating. But then when you think about, like, COVID and you think about race issues and you think about, you know, sexuality issues and, you know, people's lives on the line, you know, and uh, things like that, it gets pretty pretty intense, pretty sad that we're, we're living in a world where, where we, you know, make judgments based on things like, you know, on, on articles that were, you know, who, who's, who are getting their facts from Twitter and Facebook. You know, I mean, it's like this weird, vicious, really gross cycle. So that's why we've got to think and we've got to think critically and we've got to think for ourselves and we need to ask questions and not be really willing to jump on the bandwagon. And, uh, and I, I think that's you know kind of funny. Ironically, it kind of blows down to that whole loving your neighbor as yourself kind of thing and maybe giving each other the benefit of the doubt, um, which seems to be hard this day because everybody wants to have this hard line. But, you know, I think, I, I think uh, Joe Strummer put it well. He's like, you know, we just want some truth. Just give me some truth, you know, and uh, we have to kind of seek that out now. That's also why I don't judge a lot of people, you know, and people think, oh, you're, you should be more of a stance on this. I'm like, listen, man, that's an article that you read. Like, I've read a lot of articles that says a lot of different things about people I really care about that aren't true, you know. So I can't just judge my whole thing based on that, you know, but people do it. And uh, we like things often uh, that affirm our own prejudices, that affirm our own, um you know, that hate the people we hate. It's like the, how sometimes people read their religious books is they, you know, they they want it to line up with those who they disagree with, so they use it in those ways to kind of almost, like, justify their hate or we justify our 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 side. And the uh, funny thing is that then you get redactions, you know, in papers where, you know, oh, yeah, we were wrong, but it's like in, like, the back page and it's about this big, you know? <laughs> when the thing they had wrong was on the front page. So, I don't know. I'm worried about the state of this country, folks. Um, right and left. Because I think both sides of the media have got to step up and get sharper. So, anyway. Um, that's not my plan to talk today, but that was my rant this morning. That was my opening dialogue, if you will. If we're doing Saturday Night Lifestyle. style, um, I am getting ready uh, like at 4.30 Monday morning. Um, so in the middle of the night tonight, I will be flying to, well, uh, I'll be taking a car to the airport and then flying to New York uh, to go to the premiere of The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Um, also, Steve Peters is going to be there, which I'm really excited because we've never met each other in person. We've only talked on phone or, or, or online, like, you know, through Zoom and things like that, but we've never met each other in person, so it's going to be really exciting to hug that guy's neck and sit down and uh, have some coffee or brunch, whatever they do when, we're, when you're doing big, cool Hollywood things in New York City. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited about that. And I'm excited that Steve's part of this congregation. That's also really, really awesome um so yeah so great things that that that's happening i'm gonna try to enjoy myself i'll keep you guys updated and post it online um next sunday we can do A Q&A about about uh about the premiere if you want to if that's something you're into let me know you can let me know in the comments if we want to talk about that what that was like i'm glad to share that with you guys um you know, so because now that we're a gathering and not called a church, I'm allowed to have, you know, just really weird conversations with you guys. And that's all I really wanted, it was just a weird conversation. Um, also, for me, going back to New York is like home. I lived in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, for seven years in the same apartment building. And um, I think that's the longest I've ever lived in a house anywhere. And so to me, New York's home. I'm a New Yorker by heart. Like, if I could get my ex-wife and kids in New York... And I could raise my kids in, in in New York or in Brooklyn, man. I'd be there in a second. I really I love New York. It's it's fantastic, fantastic place. New York and uh, Belfast are my two favorite places in the world. So today, um, I was thinking about Romans one this week, and. How most a lot of us know, uh, at least in the gay LGBTQ community, uh, that those that's where the, the the clobber scripture is, you know, and that's where everybody tries to say, Well, see, it's a sin to be gay if you read uh, Romans 1. And we're not going to really cover that today, um, but that's where people go, and it's very easy to, to take apart, to be honest with you. it's It's not a very good clobber verse once you realize the text and the context and the history of Rome and what's going on in Rome and what's happening at that very time you realize he's not you know plus sexuality wasn't even really a concept at that point they didn't have um, Freud and people like that hadn't come around yet believe it or not um, so yeah anyway but the reason I want to talk about Romans 1 and 2 is, and I'll, I'll get into it for a second. Because um, I want to look at it this way, in the way that we, how we judge others and how others have judged us. And, you know, I know Romans 1 was used against so many people I care about and love and still is. And I know it was, it's been used against me and, you know, but I can argue it out all day long. But I was thinking if it was kind of reversed a little bit. What if it looked a different, what if it looked a different way? Um, so here Romans 1, 28 goes, And since uh, they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to debased minds and do things that they should not have be done. They were filled with every kind of wickedness and evil, uh, malice, full of envy, murder, strife. Descent. Now, these are interesting ones that you don't hear a lot about that people don't pull out Romans 1's for are <laughs> wickedness. Envy. You know, like, you know, what it, when you want something, someone's like, hey, man, Romans 1. You're, hey, you, you've got envy. You want, you want what that guy has. It's, what about Romans 1? You know, like, we don't use it to clobber. We wrote envy, people with envy. Um, or murderer. He's like, oh, he killed that guy. Romans 1, bro. Romans 1. You're a murderer. Romans 1. Um, strife, dissent, like if someone brings dissent into the church, are people like, hey, Romans 1, come on, Paul, he said it, it's right there. Um, craftiness, um, the Beastie Boys were crafty, no one pulled out Romans 1 on them. Um, gossip, oh my gosh, gossip, really? Like gossip, we all love gossip, don't tell me you don't love gossip because I have something I want to tell you later. Um, you know, so when you're gossiping, people aren't in slander. You know, God hates, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, rebellious towards parents. What? Foolish, faithfulness, heartless, ruthless. They, I mean, at least folks in the LGBTQ community should feel special, because all these really weird people all these very religious people ignored all those things just to think of you. I mean, think about that, like selective reading, cherry-picking, which I think Jesus even cherry-picked and Paul cherry-picked, but, you know, we get accused of cherry-picking. I'm like, well, you guys are cherry-picking here. And you know what happens in Romans 2. Well, some of you do. They know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, yet not only do they do them but they even applaud others who practice them. Now I just added wanted to end in add in this cuz a lot of us a lot of folks I know are against this. So if you put in next to foolishness, faithfulness, heartless, ruthlessness, white Christian supremacy. You know, uh, non-vaxxers, homophobes, the wealthy, the alt-right, some people even practice these things and applaud them. Now, let's say we, we put those in there. And a lot of people be like, yeah, those are, th- those are bad things. See, we would be willing, we would jump on those, right? We would jump on the idea of white Christian supremacy or the alt-right or, or non-vaxxers or this, you know. And uh, be, because we like it when we're able to feel righteous about our own, Prejudices, our own ideals. Um, we like things that support support our disdain for others. It's just true. So, you know, if it if it allows us to feel justified in our lack. I mean, or, or sin, basically. If we, it justifies our judgments, we feel good about it. So if it said these things, so let's look at it as though we grown up with it saying those things. You know, the, the wealthy, the, the, the capitalists, uh, the non vaxxers, the alt right, the, the white Christian supremacy. Uh, evangelicals, you know, well, let's, let's, you know, so we would use that to support why we, why they shouldn't be that way, right? A lot of us could, could get behind that, um, but, um, boom, 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 boom. Romans two, which everyone seems to forget, <laughs> comes along. Romans two. Romans 2 says, Therefore you have no excuse whatsoever when you judge others. For in passing judgment on others you condemn yourself because you judge, you the judge, are doing the very same things. You say we know that God's judgment is on those who do such things. It is accordance with truth. Do you imagine whoever you are that when you judge those who you do such things and yet do them yourselves, you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the richness of kindness and forbearance and patience? Do you not realize that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Now, the idea is what Paul is saying is he's going, you judge these folks... But by judging them, you're doing the same things. He's not saying you're literally doing the exact same things and then judging them. He's just saying, we are human beings and we do not have a place to judge them. So you say, oh, what wicked people these are, but you yourself are doing the same thing. And you might not see it, but I was thinking about this. Now, I literally got white Christian supremacy. Uh, I took it off of of a, um, a little article I was reading, written by a group that I used to work with. And... Um, they were talking about white Christian supremacy, evangelical white Christian supremacy, basically focused towards LGBTQ folks. Now, for me, I'm like, okay, this sounds like a really bad thing. Um, but when you look at what they're saying is the part that I'm struggling with is it's the white, the, 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 it, it is white Christian supremacy. Um, because they act as though that there are not, there's not diversity in Christian supremacy, and the truth is, there is diversity in Christian supremacy. You know, there are people of all different colors, all different faiths, all different backgrounds. Well, I mean, let's just say in Christianity, we don't have to say different faiths. Different ethnic groups, uh, black, white, Indian, Chinese, Japanese, Asian, you know, all these different folks are represented in the evangelical church. And so for me... It's already setting up a fake dichotomy of saying, well, these are the bad people. You see what I'm saying? That's why Paul said there's neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, slave nor free. You know, is because we act as though, well, there's just a group. So it must be white Christian supremacists. But Christian supremacy is not just something that white people practice. You know, so we have to watch our words. And how we're judging because in that way, we are doing the same thing that they're doing to us. Saying like, "All those gays are bad. We're going "Well, all those white Christian supremacists are bad. And we're going like, wait a second. Now we're just judging each other in large groups. we're saying this group's bad and this group's bad. Not realizing that we're summing up things we don't understand. We are summing up uh, like, well, I'm against these systems. Well, I'm against legalism, yeah. But legalism isn't just one group of people. You know, legalism is, is also something that the left is dealing with a lot right now as well. I see legalism very much in progressive Christianity, you know, and a lot of white Christian progressive Christianity, but it's not just white Christians. You see what I'm saying? so. We, we, we just want to create these these groups, these us's and them's to put together. Um, so I... The same group talked about this thing called toxic grace, and I I thought about the idea of toxic grace, and I was like, hmm, what is toxic grace? Usually toxic grace, and what did I write down? Grace will always seem toxic to those who witness it given to an enemy. The Christian religion is not fair. And you may need to accept that and move on. You know, often because we don't want our enemies to receive grace or forgiveness, you know, we'll look at these folks and say they got what they deserved. Now let's think about what happens when, when people fall or make mistakes. Um, you know, I look back in in the 90s, especially with in the early 2000s, a lot of my LGBTQ friends were like becoming homeless, having to live with friends, their families were rejecting them, you know, and now I see a lot of people who... People are rejecting their parents and doing the same thing back and returning the favor. And they're saying, well, they got what came to them. And I'm going like, you know, I don't want to return evil for evil. And I just don't think that's what Christianity is about. So that's my wheelhouse. That's where I'm coming from. It's like if we're looking at the faith of Christianity, I'm not saying if you're outside of Christianity and you want to do this stuff, you know, that's cool. I don't think it's the best answer. Um, I don't think it's a nonviolent answer. I don't think it's nonviolence. And I like to practice that because nonviolence isn't just fists, but it's also of the mouth and of the mind and of the tongue. But sometimes when we say people get what they deserve, we think death. No, uh, but, but, they may, but, they may, but they may deserve it. Loss of income, loss of loved ones, prison, the scarlet letter. Do people deserve to have a scarlet letter and to be marked for the rest of their lives? to be shamed for the rest of their life, basically known as the unforgiven. Should there be a group of people that we label the unforgiven? The graceless, the fall from grace. Fall from grace is a term I don't really like. The only way I think that works is if you become legalistic and you don't believe that grace is for everyone. That's when I think you kind of fall from grace and even then I think that's a, a, a harsh term that I never liked. There was actually a TV movie about my parents in the early nineties called fall from grace. That's why I called my book fall to grace. Um, But do we believe in putting the scarlet letter on other people? By what facts do we judge others? How do we judge? And don't worry, we're going to get into what Jesus said about this stuff too. Not just old Paul. Um, By what facts do we judge others? Let's see. Media. We just had a little, I just had a little go at the media. Social media. Gossip. And then I put firsthand, but I put a question mark in my notes by firsthand. How often are we judging others by first hand experience? Now, usually when judgment was seen as something okay within the church, it was in within that body. Now we're talking about the body. You know, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's look at Matthew. Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. This is Jesus. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged, and the measure you give will be measured you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but you do not Uh, eye but do not notice the log in your own eye or how can you say to your neighbor let me take that speck out of your eye while this log is in your own eye you hypocrites first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye it's saying you know like deal with your own prejudice look at yourself you know see when you're pointing your why am i pointing my finger what does this hit in me what, why does this bring in anger? Why does this bring in such judgment? Why does this bring such passion within me to condemn these people, to speak negatively of these, the, the other? Um, why do I want to sum them up the way they summed me up? Why do I want to return bad for bad? You know, And the idea is, is that we have this log on our own eye and that we're projecting. I mean, Jesus was pretty smart. I mean, it took psychiatrists, psychiatry, a long time to come up with this stuff. But it's like this projecting our own insecurity, our own things. Sometimes, even the things we hate about ourselves, we go, oh, I can't stand that, you know? And we don't know how to deal with it in ourselves, so we can point it out. Well, you've got it, you know? Well, I've got it too. I mean, I can be a judgmental bastard, you guys. I can get revenge. I can say some nasty stuff. I have been mean to people, you know? When I, on, on Facebook, on my my, my my Jay Baker page, I had to like, take turn comments off. And it wasn't just because people were saying such mean things about my parents and, and my mother, which is really tough for me to hear, but it was also because I was getting ready to say some really nasty stuff back to people. I may have said a thing or two, actually, may have. And uh, my favorite one is to give someone credit right before I, I, I shut it off. You're the reason I'm shutting this down, you know, like, you hurt, you're the, you're the meanie that caused all this. And honestly, I was really surprised by some of the folks who were like really woke folks who are coming after me. Like I went to their thing and they're like, black lives matter. And we love Palestine. And you know, I'm vexed and Tammy Faye's, you know, a clown, you know, it's like, what? Wait, what? I'm, I'm confused. You know? Um, This is also why I don't believe the revolution will ever be a safe space because I don't believe safe spaces really do exist. Rarely, ever. You know, I think that's something that's really hard to attain. You know, I've been in amazing AA meetings and seen fights break out. You know, uh, 12-step break meetings. You know, and, and I've been like, We are—we're always dealing with our demons. We're always dealing with inner conflict. We're dealing with these things. But the great thing for us to do is admit it and see it—that we all have contradictions. That's what I love about Hegel—is that we face our own contradictions, and realize that some of them we even have to learn with, and create a dialect with, you know, that 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 allows us to go, to go forward with them and live within them. I mean, my my theology to become a dialectic theology, a a, a complete cont- contradictive theology. And I used to fight about people and say, that contradicts that. And now I'm like, my beliefs in God have room for contradiction and dialectic. And it's important to look at that. And when loving your enemies, because sometimes we have to make allowances for people's wrongs too, because sometimes we might actually be right with our judgment, but then we'd have to decide, where do we go from here? What do we do with this judgment? And is there restoration and accountability together. And accountability without restoration is just destruction. You know, it's just what the world does. You know, we might as well just send people to prison. We're going to send you to Jesus prison. We're going to send you to the church prison. We have a church prison now, so you're going to go there, you know, because we're not going to, you know, and we're not going to really teach you about reforming you or help you become a better person. We're just going to sit you there. Um, that's why grace is so amazing. But man, yeah, like... <laughs> can grace be toxic when it's not people I like getting it it feels that way but everybody wants to put an asterisk by, to- by it and, and grace is anarchy I hope to write a book one day about grace being anarchy you know um, I have a logo that I had a friend make that says grace and the A is an anarchy symbol I actually have a flag that was an anarchy flag that I turned in that says grace with the A is the anarchy symbol um but this is what Jesus said, and I go back to you and how. What is the information we are using to make our judgments based on? You know, remember when 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 everybody you know these flip out videos that people show of people like not wearing a mask inside of, and they're just having the worst day ever and they're just like, it's a lie, it's a lie, sheeple sheeple you know. And you're like, oh, you know, you roll your eyes and you're like, look at this, and everybody's like, hey, there's a Karen, blah blah blah, and says all this stuff. But I often think about like this person's, ha- like today I was having a really crappy day and I still had to do this, you know, and I was feeling really emotional today. I was trying to clean the house and my kids were just playing everywhere and I started crying in front of my son. This literally happened and I felt really bad and then my son was really sad because dad was crying, you know, and it wasn't a great look for me and I felt, you know, I didn't want him to hurt and I said, well, son, it's just hard I have to keep the house clean and sometimes dad gets sad and... It's okay, and you know you can be sad, you know, because I want him to let him know he can cry and be sad. We're both very emo- me and we're two emotional boys. I'll tell you that two emotional baker, the fabulous Baker boys, are very emotional people, and um, you know, and I think like could it be that the person like that was just having that kind of day, but instead of it being at home in front of their kids, it was just home in front of somebody had a phone, like if somebody had a phone of me like getting mad at my kids and crying and they put that up on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook you know of course you'd be like oh look at that for deadbeat dad or whatever you know whatever you know um so now sometimes i have empathy for those people going like oh man those you know they had a breakdown at the worst time possible and now everybody sees it and that's their 15 minutes of 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 people knowing who they are you know having your worst moments being what judges you. But thank goodness, like that's why I like Christianity because you're not, you know, you're forgiven. Those moments aren't, don't. I mean, we might remember those moments and we're wise to, to keep things in mind, you know, be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. But it's also good to be like, you're not, that's not, that doesn't define you. The fact that you flipped out in the drugstore, that doesn't define who you are. The fact that you cried and freaked out in front of your kids because the house was a mess, that doesn't define who I am. I would even go as far as say this moment with you doesn't define who I am. You know, so I, it's a little, probably a little bit closer to who I am because I give you every bit of passion and everything I have in me when I when I when I come here. But you know, I don't know something to think about. So when we're judging, remember the log in our own eye. In 1 Corinthians, let's see what else Paul has to say. I think Paul might. We're jumping all around today, guys. Thanks for sticking with me. Uh, there you are, Corinthians, First Corinthians, and it's not thirteen for the first time in my life. Um, first, <laughs> it's the only part of Corinthians I have ever read until today. Um, first Corinthians five, nope. Is it First Corinthians? Yeah, five twelve. Says, uh, for what I have to do with judging those out? For what do I have to do with judging those outside? What do I have to do with judging others outside of my community? He's saying, outside of his church community. Is it? Is it to judge? God will judge those outside. And then he says, drive out the wicked person amongst you. Now the great thing about this is, is the very person he's talking about, right here, who says, "Drive out the wicked among you." He goes, "Who am I to judge people outside? That's not me. You guys handle your own things in your own community. Now, you know, now that person who's fall and fallen in your community, now just you can drive them out. But it's not your ta- your job to judge people outside of your community. That's not what you're called to do. This is what Christianity is. Sorry, folks." Um, we're called to kind of a higher level of loving. It's really, weirdly really weird because we, none of us seem to grasp this. Even myself struggle with it. But this very person who he says drive out, in 2 Corinthians, he goes, I was testing you to see how well you would listen. Now you've been a bit overzealous by driving them away. Bring them back in and restore them. So you have to read 1 Corinthians, but in order to get the full story, you have to see what 2 Corinthians says. And supposedly there was like a middle letter. So who knows what that was or a a third letter. Um, But you see what I'm saying? It's like even Paul says, drive them out to hit your own community. But then he goes, okay, you guys really drove this guy out. You've got a little too zealous about it. Now bring them in, clean their wounds and restore them. Restoration is always a part of the Christian faith of Christianity. Um, it's so funny because the further I try to move away from Christianity and call revolution gathering and I don't want to be called a pastor anymore and all this kind of stuff, the the more I grow closer to the faith and the religion of Christianity. I do see, to, I used to have a shirt that says religion kills. In a way, I don't even believe that anymore because I'm going, actually, if it's if it's pure religion that the Paul talks about, it brings life, it brings hope, it brings love, it brings compassion. I just allowed the people... Who, were, who weren't who were seeing it to be the ones who who I decided made what it what really was, so I had to fight them. I let them tarnish religion, my religion. Do you see that, what I'm saying? What I'm trying to say is there's good news here. It is good news. And that we have to reclaim that good news. You know, this is how reformations happen. I mean, reformations happened... with with Martin Luther because he realized they were missing grace. Now we're back at this point again and I have to say, we're missing grace. And I do blame the pastoral epistles. I'm not going to lie. You know that's my thing. I think we should rip them out of the Bible or if you don't want to ruin your Bible, just staple them up and don't read them because I don't believe that. You know, I believe we're called to love others. All right. What did Luke, let's go back to Luke. Let's see what Jesus has to say again. You guys still with me? Um, Luke 6. Where are you, Luke 6? You're right there, but where is 37? 37 says, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn. Now, we all know that if we don't judge, we're still going to be judged. And you know what? We're going to be judged damn hard for not judging. We're gonna be judged hard for not jumping on the thing, but there, I think there is this. What, what it's saying is something in the spiritual realm or something in, in our own lives that if we stop judging others, we might just stop judging ourselves as much because sometimes our judgment towards others is really that big log in our eye. We may learn to whittle that log down a little bit and learn to live life and live life well. So I think that's what this is saying is when you judge others, really you're judging yourself in so many ways. You will not be judged and do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. In good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over, and all that good stuff. Um, it really goes on, you know, and it even talks about the log and the speck in this one. But you know, here's Jesus again saying, stop judging each other. Because when you're judging these people, you're judging yourself. You're setting up impossible standards. I mean, that's both Paul and Jesus uh, gave the religious teachers a very hard time for saying you're crushing these people with impossible standards and not lifting a finger to help ease the burden. Well, I am here today to help ease the burden. But I'm also here to give you a new one. And the new one is, is stop judging people based on social media and what you read in the newspaper. Be a critical thinker. Get your facts right, and if you can't get your facts right, then maybe just go stick with love and stick with grace. Can I get an amen? People got really shocked when I was when uh, Mark Driscoll was in some trouble, and I came out and I said a few things, and it, they weren't negative things. And I'd always said negative things about Mark Driscoll, so everybody was really shocked because they're like, "You hate his theology." I'm like, "Yeah, me and him do not agree theologically at all on most anything." But people were starting to attack his kids. And he was telling a story about his son and how his son was afraid of all the media and all these people coming around their house. And I said, this has gone too far. You can't bring the kids into this. Question if his kids were afraid or not. And I'm like, I remember what it was like to have media around my house as a child. And I was very scared. I was very intimidated to the point where I just had to, to, to cope with it. I had to turn it into a game. So I turned it into a game if I had to take pictures of them and I dressed in disguises and went out and I would put masks and stuff all around and play games with some of the press people when I was 11 years old in order to not just die inside as a kid and in order to not be afraid. So I put on my camouflage and then I put my Darth Vader helmet over here and they'd take pictures of the Darth Vader helmet while I was taking pictures of them. And I had to make a game because kids have to have some sort of coping mechanism. I had to know like, how can I make this not so scary? And this is what they were doing to Driscoll's kid. And some of the most liberal, progressive people I've ever seen, just tearing them to shreds. And I just said, no, you don't get to do that. I went into a group recently where they were asking this, these family members to denounce their parents because they had fallen and made mistakes. And it was mostly all progressive people. And I went in and shared my experience, and I literally had one person who was a therapist say, you're not welcome here. You're not adding to the conversation. I said, fine, that's okay. I'll delete my tweets if it's pertinent. Yeah, I did. Deleted, the, deleted got out of the group, and, and, and stepped back. But to give an idea that some places grace or the other side of the story isn't even being willing to be told, that we've gotten so used to having one-sided information that when another side of truth of someone who's actually lived and experienced that very thing, we turn them away and that's what the church has done for years and now the progressive church has learned that it's a, it's a tactic that seems to work so now they're using it. And that's why we're a, 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 a gathering right now. I want to reclaim the word church but until we reclaim it we are a gathering. <sighs> um, what does James say? Old James. Me and James have a really rough relationship. Um, but I'm, I don't, unlike uh, Martin Luther, I, I do think James can stay in the Bible. So Martin Luther thought it was the epistle of straw is what he called it. Um, because I think you can, I think James is explainable. I just think you can see that he doesn't agree completely with the Apostle Paul. Um, but you can see where it hit misses and where they come together. If they really knew, like if they like, uh, you feel like if they just sat down and had a long talk, they really would have been like, "Oh, we're kind of saying the same thing. It's just I was worried about this, and you were worried about that, and so I was a little more here, and you are a little more there. But actually, we're kind of here." Um, that's kind of the beautiful thing about the Book of James for me. Um, but four eleven says, and uh, James four eleven says, "Do not speak evil against one another, brothers and sisters." Whoever speaks evil against another or judges another speaks evil against the law, the judging element of the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and one judge who is able to save and to destroy. So who then are you to judge your neighbor? So here he's talking about the law. Paul would be like, don't put that part about the law in there. Keep that out. That's. Creepy. We got rid of the law. But he's saying, no. He's saying the same thing what Paul said in Galatians is, you know, do not bite and devour one another. Beware of hurting one another. Be very aware of being consumed by one another. So Paul and James are literally on the same page. There's just some semantics and, and different opinions of what the law is and isn't. You see? Does that make sense? I hope it makes sense. It makes sense to me. Um... And then we're going to jump back to Romans for a second. And then I'm going to ask you some hard questions. Or a hard question, at least one. Oh, I have not jumped around the Bible like this in a long time. And this is another bizarre thing is like this reading the philosophy that I'm reading, the theology I'm reading. I think I would be pre- using less Bible to be honest with you. I mean, I'm really getting into pyro theology, and the more I get into pyro theology, now the more I understand some of the things Pete used to tell me that I thought was shit. Um, <laughs> it's the more I get into like under, like looking at the Bible and seeing it. I thought I was going to be, like, over here being like, and then Nietzsche said, you know, I mean, that might happen eventually, or like, and then Hegel said, and I do that some, but it was like, but I'm also beginning back with Paul again, and Jesus again, and James even, you know, what's going on? Um, Romans 14. I love when my handwriting is so amazing that it, oh, I just had a very dyslexic moment. 21 through 13. No, I'm guessing that's uh, uh, not, oh, that's, that's 1 through 13, yeah. Okay, Romans 14, 1. Where are you, Romans 14? There you are. And uh, th- I think it was 12 through 13. Where are you, 12? There you are. So, so then each of us will be, okay, I'm going to start even higher at 11. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each of us will be accountable to God. Oh, I'm not God, so okay, that's good. Um, Let us therefore no longer pass judgment on one another, but resolve instead of never to put stumbling blocks or hindrances in the way of another. I know and I am persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. If your brother or sister are being injured by what you eat, you no longer walk in love. Do not let what you eat cause them to ruin one for whom Christ died. So do not let your good be spoken of as evil. Um, what he's saying here is be all things to all men. And what I think we're dealing with a lot of times with the folks is people who are, may have been Christians their whole life but are interpreting it in a way that they think is right but don't quite understand it. And it's basically saying be compassionate to others who may not understand where you're coming from and maybe sit down with them and respect where they're coming from and listen to them but also have a good discussion with them. Be willing to give an answer. It says Be willing to give the correct answer. So be willing to have these conversations um, because this is how, you know, says, Welcome those who are weak in faith, but not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions. Some believers believe in eating anything while the weak eat only vegetables. Those who eat must not despise those who abstain, and those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat, for God has welcomed them. Now, see here's the concept is like he's saying some of these people are just weaker people. they don't believe that you can eat meat, sacrifice idols so they don't eat meat that you do this. saying, make room for these people, and why are we going to make room for these people is so we are in a community that can have conversations and that we can grow and mature together. That's why I like revolution. It's because we have a diverse congregation, and when I may say a diverse congregation. I don't know what half of you look like because you come up in a speck like this big. I always say we have a diverse, a diverse of thoughts. We have a conversation who thinks differently. Some are conservative, some are liberal, some are leftists. Uh, some are non-binary, binary, some are straight, some are gay, some are black, some are white, some are of different backgrounds, <laughs> different cultures. We, but we also have different ways of thinking. Some of us are atheists. Some of us are theists. Some of us are Christian atheists. Some of us don't know what's going on. you know. Um, some of us are agnostics. Some of us are humanists. But we're able to come together, argue well, and share a meal at the table, and respect each other's diversity and thinking and others and our different convictions in order to have good conversations. And love is the only thing capable of turning an enemy into a friend. Love is the only thing of helping... And you know what? You're thinking, well, then I'm going to come in and love and change people. But you might actually be the one who gets changed. The log in your eye might get whittled down even a little bit more in those conversations. Uh, Alan says, very Unitarian. Well, yeah, because the Unitarians have it right in some ways. I'm sure they've got a lot of stuff wrong as well as all of us do, but... You know, they, you know, it's like the Unitarian, Unitarian, coming together. We are a group of beliefs and coming together in, in, in a diverse way of thinking, you know. But it's not some like crazy, like, you know, I grew up with uh, Unitarians are going to hell. No, Unitarians aren't going to hell, one. And yes, they've got some good things that we should be gleaming from. So love, uh, Becca wrote, love offers enemies a seat at the table. And that's tough. Love offers enemies a seat at the table. It does. And for some of us, we're not ready to have that seat at the table. I'll tell you that. For some of us, we're like, hey, I can't sit at the table right now because that's my enemy. And it's going to trigger all sorts of things in me. And I'm not going to be on my best behavior. So I'm going to cut the comments off. (laughs) Or I'm going to pray from a distance. You know, or I'm going to look at myself. You know, Um, so... Anyhow, so I guess this is the hard question I was going to ask you is because it's all about the fruits of the Spirit. You know, I used to really worry about the last part of Galatians because it said these people will not inherit the kingdom of God until I realized that the kingdom of God is actually the fruits of the Spirit. Peace, patience, kindness, joy, all that stuff. I don't have them all memorized. Um but it's all about what, what does it produce? What are the fruits that produce it? So when I'm arguing with people, when I've argued with my own father on television about, we argued about uh, um, Franklin Graham's work and what Franklin Graham's ex-gay stuff, and my dad would go, how can you judge him if you don't want to be judged, you're judging him? And I said, dad, what are the fruits of the ex-gay movement? Let's look at the fruit. Suicide, homelessness, mental health, despair, factions, um, having to create your own community to feel loved, and then what? But what a great thing about that is what a blessed community came out of that. Um. So what I want to say is, what is the fruit of judgment? What is the fruit of your judgment? Does it lead to restoration? Is your judgment leading to healing? Is your judgment, like, do we want to, is your judgment, is it leading to someone changing their mind? Which is repentance. So is, that's all repentance is, is a change of mind. Change of direction. Is your judgment leading to repentance? Or does it lead to destruction? That's what I'm going to ask you. Does your work, does your judgments? Does your saying uh, white Christian supremacy and pointing at someone and saying that about them? One is that factual? And two, is it waking them up to repentance? Like you know the truth, the homosexuals, you know and like saying all this stuff, Did that lead to repentance? Did that lead to restoration? No, what happened was, was people saying, I don't have a, people like me and a lot of other people who came along and said, you know, this, this is not a sin issue. This is, this is something different. We got to stop judging. That's what changed lives, not judgment, acceptance and love. So I, do I think judgment's uh, completely a no-go? No, I think there's time to judge. Um, but I think you've got to ask yourself once again, Where where the judgments coming from? Is it coming from social media? Is it coming from the media? Is it coming from gossip? Or is it coming from firsthand experience? And is your judgment being brought to them? Or is your judgment being brought to a whole different group of people that you just gossip and talk about that judgment? Or are you presenting it to them so they can at least say, Screw off, I don't care what you say. Or... They can say, well, wow, you might be right. I mean, one of the, I liked my, back in Brooklyn, I had a few folks come up to me about certain things and I was like, "Ugh, you're right, I'm wrong. And it hurt, but I, you know what? It led me to repentance. It led me to change. So I don't think judgments, we don't judge. I think that's impossible not to do. It's just, what are going to be the fruits of that judgment? And what are the context of that judgment? So what is the fruit of your judgment? Does it lead to suffering and death? Does it lead to holiness? Does it lead to repentance? Grace and love. Does it lead to grace and love? Oh, guess what? Grace and love? Oh, that's our job. Is your judgment come with a grace and love restoration package? Does your judgment lead to peace, patience, kindness, joyfulness, long-suffering? You know, those are part of long-suffering. I mean, does it lead to that? What are the fruits of your judgment? So if it's a judgment out of love, like if you saw me doing certain things, you know, that you knew were gonna hurt me, you may come up and say, Jay, I believe this is wrong and I believe what you're doing is is hurting you and maybe even hurting others. Um, i tell you know, and if it was something like, you know, I was abusing medication or, you know, when I smoke cigarettes, I, I've been trying to just I use nicotine. I use my nicotine pills uh, or mints 90% of the time. Um, but like, that's going to give you cancer. Well, yeah, okay. We know that's a fact that's going to happen. You know, I don't like that. You know, it makes me feel weird. It's kind of awkward. I was enjoying this and now I'm not. Um, but that's okay. It's okay to tell me the truth. Um but truth with kindness and with compassion and with love and with the fruits of the spirit in it is a different different thing than attack mode or arguing or fighting for no good reason um, anyway I'm gonna beat a dead horse if I go on that's what I have for you guys today um i'm gonna I'm gonna look through and see if we have any comments or questions honestly, I would just want to seal this one up and just shut it there because I feel like it's almost like a Almost like I'm giving you a decree or a challenge, you know, to to go out and judge no more. (laughs) Or go out and judge and make sure there's fruit within your judgment, you know. Judge less, you know. Just start whittling that log in your eye, you know. Because I might need a speck removed one day, and you might be the only one to remove that speck from my eye. Miguel said, zip it. Miguel, I am going to take your word for the day and I'm going to zip it and say thank you guys. We will do a Q- big Q&A next week. We can even talk about this talk. I love you all. Um, for those who are listening on online, Miguel, is, uh, who are listening to the podcast, Miguel is an online listener. And uh, I'm going to take Miguel's advice. Thank you, member of the congregation. Gracias. Thank you all. Bless you. Love you guys. I'm going to see you on the other side of the Eyes of Tammy Faye premiere. Um, keep me in your prayers. Keep me in your thoughts. I could really use it. Also, Revolution can use your support financially. But that's all I got to say. Love you. Bye. <laughs>